when you're going to have a baby, uh, they put you in baby preparing school, and uh, as part of those classes, you go to the hospital. So they want you to see the ward where you'll be, the delivery room, and uh, just get a sense of where you need to go. So we're there, it's in Surrey, and uh, we go, and we're, I remember going up to the lift, getting in Kate's huge size of a house, you know, just... <laughs> taken up half the lift just with her baby bump. And uh, I'm in there kind of squeezed for space. And then there's another woman um, also going up to the maternity ward with us. And uh, everyone's excited. I'm excited. The woman, she turns to us and she says, um, when is your baby due? And um, I speak on behalf of Kate because I was very proud. I said, oh, it's four weeks time. And then I said, and when? Is your baby due? Degrees went down in that lift. She looked straight ahead and she said, I am not pregnant. I am a nurse. And uh, it was the worst day of my life. And um, it was really, really bad. So when you speak, when you use words, you have the power to get yourself into scrapes, to slip up, to be embarrassed. That's not really the worst of it, though. What we're talking about with words is not just avoiding awkward slips of the tongue or embarrassing faux pas in conversation. We're talking about something that has the capacity to either make your life work, make your relationships work, or actually destroy your relationships, destroy your future marriage, destroy your kids, your future kids, self-confidence, the power of the tongue, the power of the words that we use, how we use our words, the tongue, it has incredible power. And so when James is talking about the tongue, he doesn't just say that this is some kind of optional thing, an easy thing. He says this, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, he says you deceive yourself. You've got a fake faith. You are just not even off the starting blocks. Not only that, but your religion is worthless. So when he talks about talking, about conversation, about the words that we use, he elevates this to a really big deal. He says that without having a tight rein on your tongue, your religion is worthless. Your Christianity is just, it's counterfeit. It's not real faith. If you're here, in other words, and you consider yourself a Christian, and yet the language that you use, the things that you say, the conversation that comes out of your mouth in everyday life, if that's negative, if it doesn't hold up to the kind of standards that Jesus wants for us, then don't call yourself a Christian. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you're a little bit on the outside looking in, maybe you've been invited, maybe you're just checking things out, say whatever you like, and please be my guest. Take a look at the language that the Christian friend that brought you uses because you can tell someone's faith by the words that they use. Not in here when we're on our best behavior, but actually in everyday life, when we're stressed, when we're in difficulty. So there's good news and there's bad news. So James starts off with the good news. When it comes to the tongue, our language, our words, the good news is this. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Everyone say perfect. perfect. Now in the Bible, in this context, perfect means fully mature. So if you have the ability to watch what you say, you're never at fault, then you're fully mature, you're perfect. There's a wholeness about you. And you are able to keep your whole body 
in check. In other words, as it goes with your language, so it goes with your life. As it goes with the things that you say, so it goes with your life. You talk and your relationships follow. You are able to keep your whole life in check. Your whole body is actually determined by the words that you say. So if we can get the words right, your life is actually going to be smooth. Things are going to come into place for you. He goes on, he says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So what James is saying is he's saying the things that come out of your mouth determine the course of your life. So if you've ever seen little kids, you know, you can have like a five-year-old girl riding a massive monster of a horse. She's able to turn that horse wherever she wants because they put a bit where? In its mouth. And by pulling on the bit, you control this incredibly powerful, magnificent animal. Small thing, and yet it has phenomenal ability. And again, James says, take a ship, and these would be sailing ships. Even though the ship is in a context, maybe there's stormy weather, maybe there's a blasting gale, that they could be blown off course into rocks by the winds. The rudder, this tiny thing at the back of this ship, is able to steer the ship where you want to go. Some of you, the reason that you haven't succeeded in things the way that you want to is that you're not saying the right things. But actually, James says the the tongue has such power The words that you speak have such power, you can speak yourself into a good relationship. You can speak yourself into a good friendship. You can speak yourself on good terms with your flatmate. You can speak yourself in future with kids who are secure and give you the kind of relationship that you want from them. The tongue has the ability to make you. This is really, really good news because so much of what we want in life is outside of our control. But James says, if you get the tongue right, if you get your words, the things that you say, you can literally steer your whole life. You can speak positively about yourself. You can speak positively in the work context. You can speak positively with the relationships that you've got. And it will make a difference to your life. That's the good news. The good news is the things that we say positively can help us. You can talk yourself down and you can talk yourself up. You can be in difficulty and you can bring yourself to a place where you actually feel better about yourself because you're able to talk and be positive. Same with relationships. That's the good news. The bad news is that for most of us, we're just not good at keeping control of the tongue. And the tongue can actually get you into all kinds of trouble. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. Tongues, about four inches. You've got eight muscle groups. And did you know that the tongue, the muscles in the tongue, the eight muscles in the tongue are the only muscles, well, some of very, very few muscles in your whole body that never get tired. 
You ever talked and then you go, oh, my tongue is just killing me. I can't keep this conversation up any longer. I am jiggered. No, your tongue's like, I'm doing this all day long. I can carry on and on and on. It's like the heart. It just never gets tired. Now, I know some of you are trying to test this one out, um, but you can try it. Talk and talk and talk, and you will never get tired of talking. Your tongue will never get tired. So it's a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So he talks about the wildfires that you get that can be started by a small spark. And usually forest fires, which can be devastating, loss of property, loss of life, they can just raise through a countryside. They're usually started by accident, by a little tiny thing that someone didn't even see, a little tiny spark. James says, your words, the tongue, it has that kind of pilot-like ignition spark ability. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, which is incredible. So you can say things that will spark wildfire in someone else's life. You can have an impact on somebody else that's so profound that it's like holding their hand in a flame. You can say something to someone that is negative, that is damaging, that puts them down, that diminishes them, that demeans them, And it can have such a huge effect that no matter how hard you try to take it back and say that you're sorry, the damage has already been done and it will take a long time for that to heal. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will break my heart. And it's like this fire. The tongue is a fire. You hold that person's hand in the fire. They've got burns on their hand. And it's almost like holding someone's hand into a flame and then saying, Oh, I'm really sorry. I take it back. I didn't mean it. Why aren't you okay with me? Why are you still upset? Why is this still a big deal? Why are we still talking about this? Because you just can't shrug off words. They cause a fire in people. And so this idea that James comes is that that the tongue ignites a fire. But the worst thing about it is that you yourself are affected. He goes on and he says, it corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Not only that, but it itself is set on fire by hell. So with your words, with your tongue, with the things that come out of your mouth, not only can you burn to the ground relationships, not only can you burn to the ground someone else's self-esteem, you actually burn yourself up. You burn your life up because this fire... James is making no bones about this. He says it's it's actually a kind of a devilish, demonic, hellish thing. The capacity that it has to wreck people's lives. Some of you here this evening, and let me say this as gently as I possibly can. Some of you are carrying wounds. You feel like your hand has been in the fire and you've got the scars to prove it. Because of things that your father said to you when you were a kid. Some of you, you carry wounds because of the things that your parents have said to one another. Some of you are here and you walk with a limp because of what he said when you were going out together. Or what she said when you were flatmates together. Because the tongue has the capacity, the ability to burn up stuff. 
And some of you, you've actually got yourself into difficulty and in problems because you've spoken too rashly, you weren't wise, you didn't have control of your tongue, you said something that you shouldn't have said, and you broke a relationship. Maybe the relationship is still there, but it's not the same as it used to be. And you feel regret. Some of our greatest relational regrets are because of the things that we say. And most of us in this room today, like it or not, if we're really honest about it, We're emotional arsonists. We go around saying things, being unwise and being uh, unbridled in the way that we talk, and it causes harm, damage to other people as well as to us. It's a corrupt thing that corrupts the whole body. And you can actually talk your way out of a marriage. You can talk your way out of a friendship. The tongue steers the course of your life for good or for ill. No one divorces a tongue. No one leaves a tongue. No one fires a tongue. But the tongue gets you all those things. The tongue can lead you into all kinds of emotional, relational, social damage. And so James says you've got to be really, really careful how you are igniting stuff. Are you self-sabotaging by the words that come out of your mouth? Do you fully realize... The impact of the things that you say. So what I'd like us to do is I'd just like us to have a quick checklist. So here's my checklist. And I want you just to um, look at these things. We're going to go through seven things. And I want you to be honest with yourself. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up because my hand would be up all the time. But I want you to think, oh, am I guilty of this? Is this one of the things that I do? And first of all, it's swearing and aggression. So aggressive language, when you're highly negative of people and you use very kind of violent language and swearing, where literally swearing violence is coming out of your mouth. Great on a Sunday, Monday morning, a different kettle of fish. Uh, A while ago, I preached in our Woodlands uh, main campus and I told a story about a girl that I knew from the church that I'd seen uh, earlier in the week. She'd not seen me. But I was walking down Gloucester Road and I saw her and I saw her uh, step in front of a car and the car peeped because she nearly got killed. And she turned around to the car and she stuck the finger and then swore like a sailor at this car. (laughs) After the service, after I'd spoken, a woman came up to me and she said, was it me? And I said, no. And literally within two days, five different girls had come up to me and said, it was me, wasn't it? I'm like, no. This is a fairly specific, you know, case scenario. And yet everyone was thinking, oh, I think it's me. Because we can be so good on display in Christian settings, in a small group, in a hub, with a mentor, on a Sunday evening. But when we go out into the world, violence comes out of our mouth. Now, you may say to me, oh, Philip, everyone swears. It's just part of the culture. You should see the language in my workplace. Granted, that may be so, but it's not helpful for you to use that kind of language because you're steering your own life in a certain direction and you're training yourself for aggression and violence in the things that you say. And if you get into this thing where it's a door that is opened in your life, when you get into stress and difficulty, it may be the person that you love more than anybody else on the planet, but when your back is to the wall, you will unload on them like nobody's business. 
So what about sarcasm and put-downs? This is my number one. Even today, while we were setting up, there was all these sarcastic things. Because you think, oh, it's funny. It's my humor. But actually, sometimes you've got to be aware that your humor, your sarcasm, your put-downs can actually hurt a person. You can cause great damage. And even while the person themselves might laugh, they will withdraw a little bit from you. And you think to yourself, why aren't I closer to people? Why don't I have better friends? Because you're hard to be around. Because you're igniting fires all around you. And people are just trying not to get burnt. And so they keep themselves safe from you. The way that we have banter with one another. So you've got crude banter, then you've got laddish and sexist banter. The way that we talk when we're in groups together, there are some guys, and I know there are some guys in this community, and when you get together, something just happens. And it's like a spark goes from one person to the next, to the next, to the next. And you get into this thing, and you say things which you would not normally say. Things are coming out of your mouth because it's banter. And yet, it's a kind of destructive banter that dishonors women, or it's a banter that is just kind of crude and demeaning of people. And it's like this kind of guilty thing that you enjoy doing when you're together, but it's not helpful. And actually, there are people that are listening to the things that you're saying, feeling like, actually, this is hurting me, this is letting me down, this is disappointing me. So we need to be asking ourselves, are we falling into habits and patterns of speech which are actually unhealthy, unhelpful, ungodly? Because James says, it's not just banter. It's a tongue that has been ignited by the fires of hell and it will burn your life down to the ground if you are not careful. What about gossip and slander? When we talk about people, it's so juicy. When you know something about somebody, it might not even be true, but you've heard it. Let me tell you this, and this should put the fear of God into you, okay? And then I'll, I'll move on to something funny, and we can all relax. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you're part of Metro, if you're not part of Metro, breathe a sigh of relief. You're probably fine, say whatever you like. But if you're part of Metro, if you're part of this community, and you engage in gossip, do you know what's going to happen? I am going to hear it. I hear this stuff because it goes all around and then someone will say, hey, I heard such and such. And people will tell me or they'll tell Kate. And, you know, we will come after you. Because when you start something, it's like a forest fire. It just gets out of control. I had to speak to someone recently. You know, there's some gossip that was going around and, and they were like, I never said that. That's not what I meant. That's a gross exaggeration. Don't blame me. I'm blaming you. When you talk and slander people, when you gossip about people behind their back, then it can really be incredibly negative. It can have incredible um, knock-on effects to the person. You can destroy a person's reputation. What about negative intimacy? It's the same kind of deal. When two people come together, and the very thing that brings you together, the thing that makes you friendly with one another, is being negative about someone else, or negative about work or negative about the church, or negative about a group of people. And you find that, ah, oh, we've got this thing in common. And it may be messaging, it may be talking directly, but it's this kind of negative intimacy. Your intimacy is built on being negative about others. Ask yourself the question, if you took out the negativity, what kind of friendship would you have left? Would you still have the same excuse to talk to one another as you do? Or is your relationship kind of based on being negative to each other, negative together? 
And then finally, just being unkind. You think something unkind, and that's one thing, but you say something unkind, and you can bring a person down. I have words ringing in my ear that people have said to me. When we started Metro, I'm not even going to say what it is, but it still irks me, pains me, and really wounds me. We started just four years ago, and I was trying to talk to someone and share the vision with them, and they said something to me, and it was unkind. And every time I found things difficult in Metro, every time we turned up and the PA went crazy and you know, Matt Miles was having some kind of whatever. Um, <laughs> the words would come back, the unkind words. So what I want you to do is I want you to think how much of this negative language is in me. Another way to put it, do you pass the butt dial test? You know what the butt dial test is? You ever had someone who's on their phone and they don't realize they've called you? And you're like, hello, 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 hello. And they don't know that they've called you. But now they can hear whatever you say. Has anyone been in that situation? Put your hands up. Have you been the butt dialer or the butt dialee? Okay, imagine everything that you say, you've already butt dialed someone else. The person that you're talking about. Would you be okay with them hearing the things that are coming out of your mouth? Now, here's a question for you. I want you to look at that checklist, and I want to ask you the question. Do you think, be honest, don't put your hands up, but be honest. Do you think you could go for 24 hours without doing one of those things in that list? If you cannot go for 24 hours without drinking, you are an alcoholic. If you cannot go for 24 hours without a drug, you are a drug addict. We call these things addiction. If you can't go for 24 hours without either sexist banter or swearing or being aggressive or being unkind or sarcastic, put down, guess what? You are addicted. You're addicted to negative language and you need to deal with it because it is going to hurt you. And so if we just go back a couple of verses to what James says, he says, no human being can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. So if you're feeling bad now and you're like, Philip, this is, this is really awkward and very pointed and I feel like you're judging me. I'm not judging you. You're judging you. Um, the bad news is no human being can tame the tongue. But the good news is no human being can tame the tongue. In other words, as a follower of Jesus, I have this ace in my pocket. I can ask my father, God, God, would you help me? Would you make strength in me so that I can overcome these things? Each of us can get better. We can move towards maturity and that's what I want for you. I want this to be a community where we are positive about the things that we say about one another. So that's the strength but actually, James also gives us a skill. He says it's not just good enough that you have strength of character to not be negative. You need some skill in being good, better at conversation. And so he says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. And then this is his big thing. So are you ready? 
this is going to encourage you. If the last bit was a little bit harsh and hard, this stuff, honestly, this is going to save your future marriage. This is going to make your future kids love you when you could have lost the relationship altogether. So listen really carefully. He says this. Each of you, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Everyone say, quick to listen, slow to speak. Again, quick to listen, slow to speak. James gives you six words. I'm going to give it to you in four words. This is what it looks like. First of all, listen. Everyone say, listen. That's the first thing that you do. Secondly, listen. When you have listened and then listened, you then wait, then speak. Okay, so try that together. Listen, listen, wait, speak. Listen, listen, wait, speak. Okay, if you can get this one, it really will help you. Honestly, I'm telling you, this will help you. You need to listen twice. That's what James means when he says, be quick to listen. In other words, put your emphasis on listening. You want to be good at conversation. You want to do good relationships, good communication. Listen first and then listen again. You listen once for words and then you listen another time for meaning. People need you to get their words. They need you to hear what they are trying to say. When you have two people in communication, in conversation, these two people want the same thing. You want them to hear you and they want to be heard. We all want to be heard. We all want to be understood. I remember when I was about 25 years old, uh, I went with my dad. My dad's this Christian minister. He's amazing, wise, wise man. And I said, Dad, I want to learn from you because you're an amazing church minister. I want to learn. So um, will you take me on one of your pastoral visits? He said, yeah, I'll take you. He said, I'm going to take you to two people that are having marriage problems. And so he took me into this person's house and there's a husband and wife. And then he says, talk to me. And they went at it. And after about five minutes, I wasn't even married. But I'm like, I know exactly what's the problem with this marriage. I mean, it's obvious. Even I know this. And my dad was not saying anything. And I'm like, come on, dad. I I know this one. Tell them the answer. He waited uh, five minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour. Eventually, after a whole hour of them talking, 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 and me getting more and more and more bored and also kind of weirded out that my dad didn't seem to get it. He's so slow. Um, after an hour, my dad just said, okay, this is what you need to do. And he said exactly the same thing that I knew from five minutes uh, into the conversation. And they were, oh, thank you so much. And they cried and then they kissed each other and had a baby. It was just beautiful. (laughs) So we go away from this place and I say to my dad, I said, dad, I actually knew the answer way before you. And he said, I knew the answer as soon as I got there. I said, well, why didn't you tell them? He says, this is the truth. If you speak to them before they've had their words, they won't believe you. If you speak to them too soon, without listening to everything that they have to say, they will reject it. So if I had gone like you wanted me to do, and told them the answer after five minutes, they'd have said, no, no, you don't understand. No, no, she is worse than that. And they would just go and it would, it would not get anywhere. But if I listen to them, listen to them, listen to them, and I've got all their words, then they're in a place where they feel like they've been heard, and they can now hear what I want to say. So when you're in a conversation, when you're communicating with someone, particularly if it's intense, don't just interrupt. No, no, but that's not true. And, and put your side of the thing forward. 
that's just, that's not going to help it. Listen to their words. Let them speak to you. Let them get the stuff off their chest. Listen, be quick to listen. Listen, be quick to listen. When you have their words, actually there's something beneath the words. They need you to hear their meaning. Because people do not mean what they say. Anyone who says to you, I mean what I say and I say what I mean, is kidding themselves. You don't mean what you say and you don't say what you mean. You can't possibly do. Because the way that you communicate is different to the way that I communicate. And I have to work really, really, really hard to understand the meaning of what you're trying to say. When I and Kate we were first married, we had all kinds of problems around communication because her communication style was so different to mine. You know, her communication style was like, I'm, I'm just black and white and this is a tree. And uh, she'd be emotional and expressive and everything was kind of... For me, it, it just didn't feel factually correct. So she'd say like, you never lift a finger to help me in the house. I'm like, liar, liar, pants on fire. That, that's factually incorrect. You don't love me. You never love me. If you love me, then you do these things, but you never do these things. And I just think, no, that's wrong. And I, I'm hearing her words, but I'm not hearing her meaning. And it would cause fights and arguments and cold silences and difficulty. And I'm going out and all these kinds of things until I learn. See, if you want to get someone's meaning, the best way to do it is through asking questions. And the best question that you can ask another person in these scenarios is, what do you really mean? What do you really mean? If you ask a person, what do you really mean, then you have a fighting chance of getting to it. I've heard you words. What exactly, do you really believe that I don't love you? Do you really think that I have never done any housework in seven years of marriage? What do you mean? And my wife, it's almost like she would just kind of explain, like a translation. She'd say, when I say, you don't love me, what I really mean is this. My dearest darling, right now I'm stressed in ways that I can't fully articulate. And it's exacerbated by my perception that once again I'm taking on the lion's share of the domestic duties around the house. So therefore I'm inviting you right now in a very loving way just to show your love to me in a very practical way that can help me feel better about myself in the situation that I'm in. She says that and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. My darling, you're absolutely right. Please let me bake you a souffle. But you've got to work hard to get the meaning. If you don't get the meaning, you just get the words, then you will have an argument and you will get nowhere because the person wants to know that you understand what I mean. I don't say what I mean. We, we all speak, we think, we understand, we get more frustrated, we say it louder, louder, louder. But if you listen, okay, just get this straight. What exactly, can you put it another way? Can you just... Back off. So is this how you're feeling? Is, is this what I've just allowed? Listen, be quick to listen. Listen, listen. And then you wait. So the 24-hour rule applies to all social media. If you have a negative post, if someone riles you up, if they send you a direct message or they send you a text that really makes your blood boil, wait. 24 hours. And then chill out. And if you still feel like writing you twonk, then, you know, wait a little bit longer. Because when you wait, it takes the emotion out and it allows us to put God in. Just waiting before you speak. When I, um, I'm in a difficult conversation, when I'm in a different thing, I will listen to the person, listen for their words, and then I'll ask them some questions so I can get their meaning. Make sure I'm getting this fully right. 
And then I'll pause. And as I pause, I'll say, God, I am quite offended. I'm quite hurt. I'm feeling super, super raw right now. Just going to take a breath. Take that emotion from me. Let me feel your Holy Spirit so I can speak. And then when you speak, you speak with humility and for understanding. When you speak, when you put your point of the conversation forward, use humility and do words that are going to get you understood. Don't try and score points. Don't say anything that you would regret. So if you're in that tense, difficult argument, you know, again, Kate and I, difficult arguments, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not okay for me to say, I hate you so much right now, no matter how good the song is. That, that's not good. It's okay for me to say, do you know what? When you said that, I felt that was a little bit harsh, a little bit unfair. That's fine. What's not fine is to say, I should have married your sister when I had the chance. <laughs> that's a bad thing to say, and I know that now. <laughs> and I am so sorry. <laughs> but this is skill. It's wisdom. It's the Bible's way. Could you imagine if we became a community where we were good at listening, good at listening for meaning, that we waited before we said things that we might regret afterwards? Wouldn't it be great if this was a gossip-free zone where lads get together and no matter how many bevies you've had, it stays godly. You, you can butt-dial me and I'm like, yeah, nice one, boys. <laughs> That's the kind of church that I want us to be. I want us to be a community where someone says something to you and you think, do you know what, I'm not sure you should be sharing that with me because I think that might be someone else's business. Or I'm not sure because I haven't heard that from them directly. So I think perhaps let's not talk like this. Or you say, hey, are we getting into a negative intimacy? I know the boss is just really hard work, but perhaps this is not the best way for us to be talking. Let's steer our whole body away from the fire, out from the rocks, and into the kind of direction that we want to go. It takes strength, like all of the things that James is talking about. You've got to see it differently, understand the incredible power for evil as well as for good that your words have. Ask God to give you the strength to have control over the tongue and then look to develop the skills. If you can go away and even just once this week, practice, listen, listen, wait, speak. So your boss is having a go at you and you just really feel that this is unfair, you don't deserve this, this is this not right. Listen, listen, wait, speak. You're in an argument with your flatmate and they are being totally unreasonable. Maybe they're being reasonable and you just don't know where they're coming. Listen, listen, wait, speak. It will really help you have good communication. And one day, your kids are going to thank you. Because like I said, some of you are here and you're carrying wounds because of the things that were said to you. You're no good. You're such a disappointment. Why can't you be more like your sister? But you will not be that person. You will be a person who is perfect, mature, whole, complete, in control through the Holy Spirit of the things that you say and practiced and skillful in communication. So this is our big idea. Your tongue has the power to steer your whole life, for good or for bad. You can't be mature until you master it. When communicating with others, think, listen, listen, wait, speak. Let's pray. Father, 
I want to pray that you would make us a community of individuals that speak well of one another. Lord, let this be a place where there's safety in the things that we say. The words that come out of our mouth, let them be positive, uplifting, glorifying to you. Lord, when we use humor or when we're just having inside jokes, Lord, would it be something which is positive as well as funny? Teach us how to be better at this. Father, I pray that we be quick to listen and slow to speak. Lord, that you teach us these skills. Father, we thank you so much for this incredible book that you've given us, so full of wisdom. And I want to pray that we'd be able to apply it, that we would have a religion that actually is not self-deception, but that is true and proven and good. In the name of Jesus, amen.